0: Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother-Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. As you said, Mom, our guest today is Janice Gentry, and our topic is Compassionate Friends, Finding Hope Through Service. In 1991, Janice Gentry's 21-year-old daughter, Lori, was killed in an automobile accident, leaving a surviving sibling, Megan. Since Lori's death, Janice has been involved in the Compassionate Friends. Janice is a Marine California Chapter Leader and is the Regional Coordinator for Northern California. She is also a poet and author of Stars in the Deepest Night, After the Death of a Child. Welcome to the show, Janice.
1: Thank you very much great to have you on the show, Janice, and uh, it's wonderful through Compassionate Friends. I have, also have the honor of knowing you and uh, the wonderful things that you do regionally for the Compassionate Friends. You want to talk a little bit about your daughter's death and, and how you got involved with Compassionate Friends?
2: Yes. Um, Lori, as you just said, Lori died in 1991 in a car accident. And we started, my husband and I started going to the Compassionate Friends meeting right away, we, um, which often people don't do, but my husband just felt the need to do that, and even more than I did.
1: I think and that's really interesting. I, I read anyone. that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. That's uh, fascinating.
1: Yeah, because Heidi and I find, well, if you look around it, at any kind of grief organization, you usually treat, see three-fourths of them women, don't you?
0: Yes. And you find that the men that do go initially went because their wives really, really wanted them to go. Yes, definitely. But my husband actually went by himself the first time. Good for
2: him. And what was so wonderful for me is that that
1: was where he kind of opened up and I found out how he was feeling. Mm -hmm. And listening to him at Compassionate Friends? Yes. Ah, Yes. Now that's interesting. In the the group, yeah, that kind of uh, idea of kind of setting you apart a little bit from your spouse in that they can talk to other people and you hear. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So, so he went uh, without you. How about your uh, daughter? Did she go?
2: We didn't really... We didn't have... Um, there were no sibling groups, and she mm-hmm. was only 15, and she, she just wasn't interested at all in doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And
0: how long after your daughter's death did you and your husband go to your first chapter meeting? Bill went the very
2: next month. Okay. How did he know about it? Um, we received... Something. I think we received a phone call from our chapter leader.
1: Mhm. Hmm. And and did the chapter leader have a husband there, or, or um, was it a, she did was a chapter no longer, leader a male? <laughs> she she'd been
2: chapter leader for years and years, and so she kind of came and brought the brownies and then left, and so um, you know, so she and her husband really it had been I don't, a number of years, and so they didn't attend the meetings anymore. But when they started it, they started it together.
1: Mhm. So, how long did you go, and and you ended up being not particularly wanting to go at first? And here you end up being a regional coordinator. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah. Yes,
2: I wasn't that comfortable talking about my feelings. I'd never learned how to do that, but it didn't take very long before I realized it was really the only place where I could talk about Lori, talk about uh, her death, without you know every that suddenly silence roaring up or uh, somebody trying to change the subject. And so I realized very soon that it was a safe haven for me also because I could, as I said, I could talk about those things, but I also started to find out um, little tips for how to, to get through the holidays, how what to say when somebody asked me how many children I had, and, and also... The, the people that were further along down the road, I could look at them and say, oh, look, they're making it, so maybe I can too.
1: Now, what do you say to people uh, who want to know how many children you have?
2: I say I have two. Um, that mm-hmm. my oldest daughter, Lori, was 21 when she died in a car accident, and my surviving daughter, Megan, is, um, lives in Davis and is a
0: veterinarian. Ah. Good for her. And I would think that would be a real issue for your daughter, Megan, because what does she say when people say, how many siblings do you have? I mean, it's a whole issue, okay, you know, do I say I have one sister and then, you know, or do I say I don't have any since she's now an only child to a certain extent, even though she'll always have a sister.
2: Right. Yeah, I think it's uh, most people find that it's just individual what what how you know how they're feeling that day, what they want to say, or mm-hmm. you know who the person is that's asking, but i I found that one only one time did I say I had one, and I felt so guilty that I never said it again
1: mm-hmm. now that's interesting that you that you felt that way because yeah. uh, some of our audience out there are saying I, I you know I do feel guilty about it, and I don't say it. But uh, it's it's uh, kind of individual, isn't it? Yeah, I hate guilt,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I I just do it. And and I think saying it the way I do is not hard on people because I'm ending on the positive note, so that they can then ask me what happened, or they can talk about Megan.
1: I love that idea.
2: Yeah, the, the and idea it of works. Acting. It yeah. really
1: does work. Yeah,
0: and it doesn't do seem, you, it doesn't seem to make people uncomfortable. Do you think? Um, Megan, your daughter got into animals as a result of of Lori's death. Got more into animals, or was she always into animals? She was
2: always into them. Okay,
0: because mm-hmm. you know, so many yeah. people tell us they get they get animals after the death of their children or siblings because animals give us unconditional love. Yes, yeah.
1: And also, uh, for us, it was a way to to bring something new in, and it's yeah. also a, a point of conversation for other people too.
0: Absolutely, and sometimes when you've had a death, like when Scott died, people would see you and kind of not know what to say or, or run away, and once we got our little puppy, people ran towards us because they wanted to see the dog. Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I wanted to ask
1: you, here your husband is, he gets you to go, um, that's a bit unusual. But how do you get somebody to go to group mm-hmm. if you if you're going and you want them to go? Do you, what do you tell people? I bet you have people come to you know compassionate friends and say, "I really want my wife or my How do you get them? How do I get them there? What do you say? I they don't even try.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it really has to come from you. And you know, just being dragged to a meeting. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe you could try it once. You could ask them to try it once. Or, but what we do ask is people try it at least three times mm-hmm. because every meeting's different, and you're different every time, especially when you're newly bereaved. Mm-hmm. Every time you go, and I found that um, you know there were times that it it's our meetings are, were a half hour from my home, and sometimes uh, you know you're in such lethargy and. You know, the last thing you want to do is to get out in the evening, but we were always really glad we did.
1: It, now, I, I think there's something here about lead by example, too. I mean, if, yes. if, if you want to do it, you do it, and, and hopefully the other person yes. will see the benefit. Yes,
2: if they see that it's helping you, then mm-hmm. maybe
1: they'll go. Yeah.
2: yeah um, but I found, for me, that the most healing came when I, I was asked to facilitate the meetings. And that I, Now, how far
1: out were you then?
2: Uh, around a couple years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it felt pretty overwhelming. I felt like I, I still felt so newly bereaved that I had no idea how I was going to help anybody, and I think that was actually good for me because it made me just really work hard at it, and it made me come out of myself. And, and, being, and felt, being of
0: service to others helped you, it sounds like, to heal.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I love the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, that it's one of the most beautiful compensations of life, that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself.
1: Mm. Mm, I like that. Very nice. Now, did your husband do any leadership?
2: No. No.
1: He, when I was
2: actually asked to facilitate, neither of us were going consistently anymore. We had decided we'd gotten everything out of TCF that we were going to get, which uh, I'm so glad to find out that was such a mistake because I actually feel the healing started later when I and I feel that that you know if you're part of the steering committee or chapter leader or helping with the candle lighting all those things are so healing
1: we had a poetry contest and Janice was one of our um, judges (laughs) and it was really wonderful having you do that for us Janice Mm -hmm. and uh, it's an honor I love your uh, book stars in the deepest night after the death of a child now tell us how people would get a hold of this book
2: it can actually be ordered at any bookstore either online or on land as i say and or through uh, through me you can just um, put stars in the deepest night into a search engine and it will bring
1: up my website i mean it's um, got wonderful poetry that you're want to that you're that kind of through the loss, you wrote the poems at different times, right? Yes, and I
2: actually, I um, give credit to the Compassionate Friends for the poems also, because I don't think it's a coincidence that nine months after I started facilitating, the poems started coming, and I had never written poetry
1: before. Oh, you hadn't? That's amazing. It is.
0: I just assumed you'd always done this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, wonderful things about the first Christmas and... Um, my children, uh, uh, it's just great. And we're going to have Janice read one of her poems right now. Now, this is from a new book you're doing? No,
2: this, this one is actually from Stars in the Deepest Night. Okay. And it's called The Promise. Your birth brought me starshine, the moon and the sun. My wishes, dreams gathered round my little one. My life became sacred, full of promise and light, all wrapped in the girl child who brought love at first sight. The years of your living filled with laughter and tears, excitement, adventure, some boredom, some fears, but ended too quickly ahead of its time. The loss so horrendous, such heartbreak was mine. But from the beginning, one thought rose so clear. Never would your death erase the years that you were here. I would not be defeated or diminished by your death. I would hang on, learn to conquer if it took my every breath for if your death destroyed my life, made both our lives a waste, to would deny your life's meaning and all the love you gave. I vowed that years of sadness would change with work and grace to t- years of happiness, even joy, in which you'd have a place. Memories of you, like shining stars in the patterns of my soul, are beacons flashing light and love, and with them I am whole. In your honor, I live my life, now living it for two. Through all my life, you too will live. You lived, you live, you do.
1: Oh, that's really beautiful. Wonderful. Now, this has been 17 years, is that right?
2: Yes, next month it will be 17 years. what? actually this month, since this will be in June.
1: And what about that? What about people saying, oh, she's a professional griever, she's still involved with that Compassionate Friends group? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you say to people?
2: You know, um, I. You know, it it is. It does come up. I. You know, at meetings, especially, I'm thinking they're thinking, "Oh no, (laughs) I'm going to get the meetings this long." And so, I really do try to say that. You know, explain that I am now in the helping part of the Compassionate Friends, and 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 that's how the Compassionate Friends works. That if you don't stay on to
1: help, that um, it wouldn't be. Absolutely. It's been 24 years for me, and I'm on the board, and I really feel like uh, at this point it, it is a great uh, service project to help other people through this process.
0: Right, uh, and we're, I think we're holding the hope for others, the hope that they will have light in their lives again eventually.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, and how about the hope for the siblings, Hyde?
0: Absolutely, yes, that we'll never, ever forget our brothers and sisters. We don't want to forget them. We're going to integrate them in our lives in new ways. And have different relationships with them, and continue bonds in a different way. Absolutely. And don't you think that that's really one of the fears that we all have is that they will be
2: forgotten, and that only in your family that that you know their names will be spoken. And I think when we do these things through TCF, we're keeping their names out there in the world, and, and the work that we're doing it we do in their honor, and so that it keep their lives keep. Um, they matter because what we do is important.
1: Now, Um, what kind of things can I do if I'm in a a, a chapter or say, you know, I'm out there even a couple of years or I'm newly bereaved? What can I do with compassionate friends? Uh, You know, I can come and sit and I don't have to speak and I don't have to do anything, but what if I want to do something?
2: If you want to do something, you can always help at the meetings by helping set up at the beginning and put things away. Um, You can bring... Um, things to eat, snacks for people. And and eventually you can get on to the steering committee and, and be part of making the decisions. You can also help at the candle lighting in December. and Which uh, is a
1: wonderful event. Yes. You can do a event. newsletter. You can write and an article oh, a- for the newsletter.
2: Absolutely write articles for the newsletter. There are lots of things, and if you just express a little interest, I'm yeah, sure.
1: And, and what about the people that say it's only once a month, it's not enough for me?
2: Well, that is a problem, and some chapters actually meet more than once a month. What we do, try to do, is, uh, actually what we do is we have walks um, um, the first Saturday of every month where we all get out together and walk and then go to lunch together.
1: So you can find out what the groups are doing, and you yes. can organize different things yourself for, right. the, for the groups to do.
2: Right.
1: Uh, and also, if you get involved in newsletters and things, you can be in more contact with people if you want to. Uh, so there there are ways, it's when you're ready to give service that you'll find you're very busy with it. But, you know, that may be a while. You were saying that you started um, uh, facilitating it two years.
2: Yes, and I don't think that, that, you know, I think they ask that you're around two years, um, or maybe a little bit before that, before you even consider um, trying to open up a chapter or facilitating.
1: However, I was saying, to Heidi, that Candy Lightner started mad in three days.
2: Well, you know, know, in a way, I think, you know, it it keeps you from grieving if you just really get into something. And that's what Candy
1: said, too. She
2: said that that exact thing. Yes, I I think you need to have time to really be self-absorbed and self-centered and just try to find ways to heal by listening to other people because once you're a facilitator, you're not there to talk about yourself anymore you're you're there to really listen and get other people to open up and so you heal in a different way so if you haven't done that
0: first part then when will that get done
1: mhm
0: so it's okay to be self-absorbed when Absolutely. you're initially when you're really in pain and you need to do that you need it It's hard work it is hard work
1: so how do people find out about compassionate friends
2: well hopefully in um, there are um, there are chapters all over this country and in other parts of the world, and and um, word of mouth, but also hopefully people have something in their newspapers and, and get their newspapers to write articles. And in our chapter, we have someone who sends out packets when um, they either call our number or if we find out um, from either the people or from someone else, what their the parents' address is, we send out a packet.
1: Now, you can also go on the national website of the Compassionate Friends, and yes. we also want to remind you that there is a national conference, right, this year in July? Yes. And that will be in, uh, where are we having it?
2: It's in Nashville.
1: Nashville. Yeah, I wanted to say Tennessee, but I was thinking of the city. Nashville, Tennessee in July. So that's, and and anyone can go to that. It'll be a wonderful conference. You'll be there, Janice? Yes. Yeah, And if you want to go
0: on to the Compassionate Friends website, they have bios of the speakers. The speakers are going to be phenomenal this year.
1: And they're going to have some wonderful music. I was looking at that. It's it's
0: just, uh, you know,
2: as I'm sure you'll agree, it's just taking a little vacation with your child, getting to wear their picture and talk about them and, and listen to other people. It's just such a special little oasis of time every year.
1: It is, and you can also uh, kick back and go to your room for an hour, too. I Absolutely. mean, you don't have to be involved Sometimes with everything. you need to,
0: especially if you're newly bereaved. You need to do that. Right. And, Janice, I love what you just said, taking a vacation with your child. Now, of course, immediately I thought surviving child, but you're talking about your ch- children out yes. there that have died. Absolutely. I love and, that idea. And Bill and I
2: actually many times have used it as, you know, we dr- we fly to that place and then we get a car and go see the area. So it feels mm-hmm. like it's uh, another chance to see the world because of Lori.
1: Yeah. Right. And also, uh, don't uh, forget about taking the siblings,
0: right, Heidi? I was going to say, yes, yeah, one of the ways that a lot of the kids, you can get a lot of the kids there, especially the teenagers, is just to let them know there will be a, a – certain amount of time that they'll be able to tour and sightsee and see the area. Mm-hmm. They love that idea.
1: They do, and, and wonderful sibling programs. And, Heidi, you'll be doing a workshop, right, on siblings?
0: Yeah, I'll be doing a workshop for the teens, and um, there'll be lots of events that they're going to do, fun things, fun activities outside of the conference where the siblings are going to go. Mm-hmm.
1: And, Janice, are you presenting? Yes. And what are you presenting?
0: Uh, I will
2: present on uh, the monthly meeting for um uh, steering committee members, or just people that want to find out how to run a monthly meeting. And uh, as I have in previous years, I've uh, co-presented with Kathy C. Hutter on mm-hmm. journaling, writing as a form of healing, and with uh, Dr. Richard Dew, mm-hmm. who wrote Rachel's Cry. Uh, we do the one on poetry.
0: Yeah, Gast. and we've had both of those people, Richard and Kathy, on our show as guests in the past.
1: Yeah, so that that'll be a, a wonderful event. Well, um, do you have any advice, particularly that you like, for grieving parents that you'd like to give out there, or grandparents or siblings?
2: Oh, advice—just um, to keep on keeping on, and and you know to to just—it's such work. It's it's you know it's just not something you can get get over it by forgetting about it or trying to think of something else. It's something you just have to do. You have to slog through it. And it and it takes so much, many years longer than most people think. And to not be disheartened when people just think, other people who don't know think you should just be over it.
1: Well, uh, thank you for being on the show, Janice Gentry. And it's been great, and we wanted to uh, close the show with having you read uh, another piece of poetry. Is this from your new book, or is this Yes, from Star- I, I'm.
2: I'm uh, hoping a new book will come out by the end of the year, and um, this one and this this book will be the poems that came after Stars in the Deepest Night, and kind of um, reflect where I've been and where I am now, and. This one uh, is called The Space Between Thoughts and, and shows where I am now. Okay. You are no longer in my thoughts constantly. You are now dwelling in the space between thoughts, a part of my every moment, whether joyful or sad, or in between, or both simultaneously. I walk, talk, work, play, and you surround me. You are in the sparkle of my smile, the wisdom in my thinking the rainbow circles in my life. As I breathe and live, you breathe and live. As I learn, you are teaching, not only me, but all those who are in my life today. You are a blessing, dear child, for all you were and all you are and all you forever
1: will be. Uh, Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Janice, for being on the show today.
2: Thank you, both of you. This has been such an honor.